There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the what? And it's a capital S. So it is the subject matter for which we're dealing with, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do not walk in condemnation because you're not like, uh, you know, maybe you're not you're walking just exactly like some other person who claims to be spirit-filled to overflowing and um, has a prayer language and all that. What did we learn last week? In the last two weeks, we've learned that there are people walking around claiming to be spirit-filled Christians, even praying something that ain't English, and come to find out they ain't filled with nothing but anything but God. Right? Now, that brings me to a, a next really seriously valid point. There are a lot of pastors, I'll say even including me at times, once you start talking about the Holy Spirit, and once you start talking about His gifts, and then people begin to get filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues, and then some of the gifts start to show up within the church, the devil loves to come in and mess with it. Because it's about the easiest thing that the devil can do to get into a church and drive a wedge is mess with people about the Holy Ghost. Why? Because let's face it. If someone stands up over here and starts to give a message in tongues and then someone over here stands up and interprets that and everyone in the room can feel it, they can see it, you can cut it with a knife, it's so real, right? That's different. It's different than what you might call a normal service in a mainline denominational church, right? That's different. The devil loves to tinker with that stuff. Why? Because it's easy for the devil to stir people's flesh. And here's the warning. Remember this and never forget it. The Holy Ghost and human flesh does not mix. It never has and it never will. All right? Are you with me on that? But is the Holy Ghost anything that we should fear? Not, not like that. But I will tell you this, because we're going to study this later. I stood up in a church once, and I, and I asked people, do you want the Holy Ghost to move? Yeah, I want the Holy Ghost to move. Uh, you want the Holy Ghost to do anything he wants to do in the church? I mean, wouldn't we say, yeah, I want the Holy Ghost to do it. Well, are you prepared for what happened in the early church? When someone simply lied to the Holy Ghost? Are you ready for that? Listen to me. There's no need to lie to the Holy Ghost. That was Ananias and Sapphira. Over a piece of property that they sold, kept some of the money, and they wanted to look special in the eyes of everyone else. So they said they gave it all to the church. And Peter confronted Ananias first, right? And said, uh, did, did you sell this property? Yes, I sold this property. And he said, and, and you brought all of the money to the church. And he said, yes, I did. He was given a chance to fix the situation and held on to the lie. Now that story, and he said, well, um, 
when you owned the property and you sold it, was it not yours to do with whatever you wanted to do? You could have kept the money. You could have given the money. You could have kept part of it and given it and, no, and nothing. And how did, how did Peter know? How did Peter know what had happened? God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, gave him a word of knowledge. He told Peter what Ananias had done, right? That's, that's just the gifts of the Holy Ghost. People get weird about the gifts of the Holy Spirit when the Bible is full of examples about how the gifts of the Spirit of God work. So I can tell you that they should be in operation in the church today, but people fear them. People don't believe in them. They don't believe in, in He, the Holy Ghost. They don't believe the Holy Ghost has gifts. They don't believe that the Holy Ghost wants to say or do anything in church services. And I'm telling you, I'd rather run the risk of something going wrong. You understand what I'm saying? That I could stand up here and say, stop in the name of Jesus. That's not God. I can do that. I've done it before. Do you hear me? I'd rather... I'd rather, if there's a risk involved, I'd rather run the risk and teach people about the things of the Holy Ghost and let us get you know, comfortable with letting the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost in the church service than to never hear from Him. It's more important to me that we learn about the things of the Holy Spirit than it is to ignore them or go, mm. I know pastors that say, look, I, I love uh, the Pentecostal message and all, but... Man, we, we went after that for a while in the church and things just went nuts. And that's because the pastor didn't have the wherewithal to say what was right and what was wrong when he needed to. Man, when I was in my 20s, pastor in my first church, uh, a man came to the church that had been coming once a year for years. And I looked in the record. Yeah, he'd been there. They must have trusted him, you know, and I let him preach. And I was in my 20s, I think. Yeah, in my 20s. And that man said something that was just really weird. <laughs> it was just weird. So as soon as I had a chance, I stood up and right in front of God and everybody. Because that's what pastors are supposed to do. And because he went public with his weirdness, I went public with the correction. All right? So take a deep breath. Relax. Let's just let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost. Amen? We said, well, Pastor, why is it so important to you? Because when Jesus ascended to heaven and seated at his right hand, everything changed. At the right hand of God, everything changed. For 33 years, we had Jesus himself walking the face of the earth in the flesh as a person, right? So what did Father do when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father and was seated there? He sent the Holy Ghost. It fell on the day the church was born and it took the place of the physical manifestation of Jesus and the earth. So let's don't ignore it. Let's don't box it up. Let's don't put it aside. Let's don't ignore it. Amen? And I will tell you that we've reached a place in the body of Christ where even spirit-filled Christians that spent years praying in the Spirit legitimately, for real, have ignored that of late. That's what the Holy Spirit told me. And then I began to look. I began to see. I began to realize, hey, you know, even in my own life, I wasn't praying as much in the Spirit as I used to. Well, let me, let me warn you. The Holy Ghost, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a fad. It's not a fad. 
There are a lot of fads in the church. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Right? But the Holy Ghost is not a fad. The problem with the church in the world today is they ride this roller coaster with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is not about roller coasters. Amen? So you're following with me? Jack, I may need some help. How many of you have got a copy of the list of questions that go along with this course? They're over there on that table, Jack. How many of you want one? Jack, Jack's going to waddle over there and get one for us. That, did your knees tighten up there a little bit, Jack? Nothing? Go, brother, go. <laughs> go, brother, go. Somebody remember the answer to this question? Who will the spiritual gifts exalt? Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus left, went to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Ghost comes in. The big business for the Holy Ghost is to exalt Christ in the world and in our lives. Can you say amen? If someone is speaking by the right spirit, by the Holy Spirit, then what he says will exalt the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the question. Answer to question two. The Lordship of Jesus will be exalted. Now, look, what, what are we what are we doing that's so dangerous when we ignore the Holy Ghost? When we ignore the Holy Ghost or say, you know, he's, uh, he's optional. The Holy Ghost is optional. We are uh, treating what is optional, that which would make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. You can't tell me that there's not those of us in this room that struggle with certain things in our lives. Why don't we just get with the Holy Ghost and let him make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives and give us the victory that he wants to provide for us about those areas of our lives that seem to be, um, you know, giving us so much trouble. All right. Uh, next question. What are the three revelation gifts? The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Does that make sense? All right. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And then the three power gifts. What are the three power gifts? Are you with me? The three power gifts are the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And I just group them like this because they, I'm putting the three in three groups that are most closely related with each other. All right. So the power gifts are the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and gifts of healing. And then there are the three utterance or inspirational gifts, spiritual gifts that say something. And why do I call them inspirational gifts? I call them inspirational gifts because as we've already talked about, when you look at tongues and interpretation in, in, in the Bible, and we're going to look more closely at it, it's like that that Sunday I told you where someone stood up and gave a message in tongues and someone stood up and gave the interpretation in English and it was exciting. It was inspirational. It was, you know, it was, it was just great, you know. It was undeniable that it was the Holy Ghost speaking and not just some human being. A natural human being could not have been that eloquent and could not have been that inspirational, but the Holy Ghost can. Amen? And then prophecy as a gift of the spirit is the same it says it's the on the same level as uh, tongues and interpretation and we will study this more but remember that prophecy is just someone standing up and giving an inspirational message in an understandable language 
English, for example, here. Does that make sense? Now, the reason why I stress that is that we, we are doing all kinds of things in the church that are biblical, but we don't call them the right things. We, we have uh, prophetic ministries in the world, and, and, when we, and we like to use the term. I'm not bashing that. I'm not saying that that's bad or wrong. I'm just saying that more Scripture would be it's a Pentecostal ministry that follows the gifts of the Spirit, and, and what we, we call in that group prophecy is actually word of knowledge and word of wisdom being manifest in that ministry. I just wish we'd get it right. It, it, it's, it's happening. It's real. These prophetic ministries are real, but if they're classifying it a prophetic ministry in the New Testament, all they're going to do is say inspirational things. What they like to talk about is future things. That's word of wisdom. And, and so it's not that it's not a good thing that's happening. It's just that I find, and I will drop this hammer, I find that at 64 years old, the church is woefully uh, inept in their education about the Holy Spirit and don't, need to, don't know how to call what is is. They don't know how to call it by its proper name. Now, why do we like the phrase prophetic church or prophetic ministry? We like it because we think of prophecy in the Old Testament and what a great man Daniel was. And what a great man, you know, this guy was. And what a great man this guy was. And they were prophets. Old Testament prophets who talked all the time about the future and different things. And God revealed those things to them. So why not call ourselves a prophet today? Because in the New Testament, it does say that God gives prophets to the church, doesn't he? But, but let me tell you how that, how that works since we're there. And God gave gifts to the church. Amen. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers or pastors and teachers. Am I right or wrong? We're going to study this as we get to it, but you need to hear some highlights today so we can start laying some foundation work. Every time in the Bible that God gives us a list, do you understand that almost every time he lists the most an important one first. Pay attention to it. And he gave some apostles. What do we know about the apostles? Well, let me tell you the differences between those guys, those five ministries. The apostles, when you look at them in the New Testament, what do we find? If you had that mantle of an apostle in your life, and Paul did, didn't he? Peter did, didn't he? And so forth and so on. More if not all of the gifts of the Spirit are the mark of that, of that position in the church. How do you know an apostle is an apostle? Because the Holy Spirit will use them in every gift there is. All right? The prophet, a little less. The evangelist, a little less. And the pastors and teachers, a little less. But I'm a pastor and a teacher, and I will tell you that they use us low, low, lowly ones too. <laughs> they do. But I don't have all nine of the spirit, uh, gifts of the Spirit manifest in my life. Well, I'm not an apostle. You get my drift? Now, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not ashamed to say that. I am so happy to have a pastor's heart and have the ability to teach. And that's why in most translations it says, the last one is pastors and teachers. Because there may only be four. Because I think that every one of them ought to be apt to teach. Whether you're an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, 
or pastor. All of them ought to be apt to teach, right? Now, I will tell you this, that I want the Holy Ghost to use me in any gift that he wants to use me in, you know? But what did we say earlier? There are people who like to call themselves, they like to call themselves prophets, even apostles. But what do we know? If I look like a banana tree, if I don't have any fruit on me, I might have to hang a sign on me and say, hey, look at me, I'm a banana tree. But is it better to hang the sign on me or to get rid of the sign and wait till the bananas appear? And then you know, well, he's a banana tree. But, and how do we know he's a banana tree? Because he has fruit hanging all over him. Let the Holy Ghost name you. Let the Holy Ghost give you your title. Amen? Let the Holy Ghost do that. Don't do it yourself. That's a sign of a lack of humility. And I'm going to tell you something. Humility needs to be in all five of those, of those ministries, right? God help me. God help us all. Amen? So, so look, look, am I mad? If I get angry, am I throwing rocks? No, I'm just saying that there are a lot of ministries out there that like to title themselves a certain way. Look, look, and I'm going to tell you, there, there are many out there that have those titles, and they're the real McCoy. Don't you, don't you, don't walk away from here today saying, well, pastor says all those people aren't, aren't real. Now, that's not what I said. Many of them are, but they don't really understand how it's flowing or, or where in the word backs up what they're doing. But that's okay. It's all right, right? I mean, it's not that big a deal. But I will tell you, there's also charlatans out there. You know, someone asked me about a big name preacher one day, and I'm not going to be tossing names. And, um, and what they wanted to know was, is this guy for real? Is he for real? I said, well, I'm going to answer your question because I know that guy. I know him. We started out in the ministry about the same time, you know. Now, here I am at Livestream Bible Church. I'm happy to be here. I, I've endeavored to follow God's lead in my life. But this other guy has preached to hundreds of millions of people. All right? All kinds of miracles happen. Wonderful. This person was asking me, is that guy for real? I said, more importantly, let me say this. What makes something fake? What makes something fake? If there's a ministry and it's fake, it's charlatan, do you realize that, that can't even exist unless the real exists? You can't have a fake without a real. So I'm not going to answer your question about whether this guy's fake or real. I'm going to tell you that just the fact that you asked me, is he fake, gives me the boldness to tell you the real's out there. It exists. It's real. I mean, there's people out there laying hands on people, casting demons out of people, seeing the heal, you know, sick healed, seeing the oppressed set free. All of those things, they're happening. They're real. Because you asked me the question, is this guy fake? I can tell you, that guy can't be fake unless there's a real to be fake over. It's not rocket science we're talking about here. You know, God, God gives us a thinking brain, doesn't he? And then he says things to us. He reminds us, can't be a fake without the real. All right? Okay, well, I'm excited. Now, of the three gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom is the best gift because it brings supernatural revelation of the plan and purpose of God. I'm going to read that again real slow. 
of the three gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom, is the best gift because it brings supernatural revelation of the plan and purpose of God. And I can tell you more often than not, how do I know it's the word of wisdom? The future is only known truly in the wisdom of God. Say, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, one second, you don't know something, and all of a sudden, now you do, and you realize, well, that's a lot beyond my intelligence. That, that had to come from God, right? So is it, is it in the tense of now? If it's a now piece of knowledge that you didn't have, and now you have it, that's a word of knowledge. God just gave you a little piece of his knowledge. But if it has to do with something that's going to happen three weeks from now, then that's a word of wisdom. Does that make sense to you? Because only in the wisdom of God is the future known. But a lot of people call that prophecy. But Old Testament prophecy, you know, it, 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 you confuse that if you're not careful. And it diminishes our understanding of the gifts of the Spirit of God and how they work. Does that make sense? So if you do something that looks like prophecy from the Old Testament, and you tell something that God gave you that has to do with the future, but, it, you know, the labeling can be important, but it's not the end of the world. You see what I'm saying? Only it's not New, New Testament. We, how many of you know we're a New Testament church? Let me say again, we're a New Testament, non-denominational Bible church. <laughs> All right? Of the three gifts of power, the gift of faith is the best gift because it is the supernatural ability to work a miracle. We're going to talk more about these. Of the three gifts of power, the gift of faith is the best gift because it is the supernatural ability to work a miracle. Of the three gifts of utterance, the gift of prophecy is the best gift because it is complete in and of itself and it brings edification, encouragement, and comfort to the body of Christ according to 1 Corinthians 14.3. Why is it the best? Because it doesn't depend on whether I've got an interpreter in the room. If I've got someone speaking in tongues, the Bible says we're obligated, you know, to have an interpreter in the room or you better pray and ask God to give you the interpretation of what you just said or you're out of order. Always when there's a gift in, of, um, of uh, tongues and interpretation in the church, the person who gives the message in tongues is obligated, first of all, to be used by God to interpret that message. Because... Unless the Holy Ghost has told you there's an interpreter in the room that I'm going to use. You go ahead and give the message. If no one says a word, now, now, if you don't get the interpretation of the message, keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't. It's better to say nothing at all. And we just move on. It's okay. We just move on. All right? All right. All right. The word of wisdom is the best gift of all of them. The word of wisdom is the best gift of all because we have said, as we have said, it brings revelation about the divine plan and purpose of God. I mean, if I felt led of the Lord, I mean, if the Holy Ghost came on me and said something about that God over the next 12 months is going to save 2,000 people uh, as a part of the ministry of the church, I better not say that unless the Holy Ghost said it to me, right? And it would be a word of wisdom, and, and, and as it manifested came true, because it's about the future. All right? So, um, bouncing down through here. What have I not answered for you? And I think I've answered all those questions so far, right? All right, we told a couple of stories. Um, 
I want to make sure that I'm... We talked about uh, Samuel, right? He was asleep. And God called his name. He went to the prophet. The prophet said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, right? Right? So that was a word of knowledge to Samuel. All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Matter of fact, we're, we're going to tell you a couple of instances from the Bible, and uh, we'll be wrapping up for the day. Uh, the, word of a knowledge, the word of knowledge to John on the Isle of Patmos. Revelation 1, 10 through 20. Here we're going to learn about something or about how this word of knowledge can manifest. A word of knowledge can manifest many different ways. Jesus revealed to John in a vision the condition of the seven churches in Asia Minor, as recorded in the book of Revelation. Although there is a prophetic message for us today in this revelation, is that not true? Because he talked about the, the seven churches, and the churches correlated to the condition of the church in the future also, right? All right? But the message that God gave him in a word of knowledge also pertained to actual churches that existed that day. So what do we have here? We have a combination of a manifestation of a word of knowledge and a manifestation of a word of wisdom. How many times have I told you they overlap, they work together, amen? And they can come in all manners, always. Jesus revealed to John in a vision the condition of the seven churches in Asia Minor as recorded in the book of Revelation. All there's a, although there's a prophetic message for us today in this revelation, these seven churches existed in that time in Asia Minor. John, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, couldn't possibly have known what was going on in these cities or churches, but Jesus revealed to him their spiritual condition, right? I, I love that. Uh, go to Acts chapter 9 with me. Acts chapter 9. We're going to move it up here a little bit. The story of uh, Ananias, uh, a different Ananias, by the way. Um, there's more than one Ananias anyway. Uh, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord, in a what? In Acts chapter 9, verse 10, in the King James Version, it says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision. Stop right there. Here the word of knowledge came to a layman through a vision. Ananias wasn't an apostle as John was. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a teacher. The Bible calls him a disciple. How many times have I had you look at the person next to you and say, I'm being discipled at LifeSpring Bible Church? So don't, don't relegate the gifts of the Spirit of God just to apostles, prophets, and evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's to everybody because you're all disciples. Amen? All right. The Bible calls him a disciple. He was just a member of the church at Damascus, but don't belittle that. If the Lord wills, laymen as well as ministers can have a manifestation of a word of knowledge or any of the gifts of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, and the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. 
And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Two things happened here. Ananias is getting a word of knowledge about a word of wisdom that had been given to Paul. Paul had been given a word of wisdom saying, soon a man's coming to lay hands on you to pray. But it wasn't happening right that second. So God gave Paul in a vision, and that's amazing to me because at the moment, Paul was blind. But God gave him a vision and told him, a man's coming to lay hands on you. And then God went to that man, and the Holy Ghost told him in a word of knowledge, you're going to go to this man. He's waiting for you. He has seen in a vision. And it was a man that Paul would have killed had he gone to meet him earlier, any time earlier before the the, the Damascus experience, right? And he was a disciple just like you. He was no different than you. Amen? At first, Ananias said, wait, wait a minute, isn't this the guy that was given letters, you know, uh, and going throughout, and, 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 and he was waylaying the church just as hard and fast as he could, right? And don't you think it was a bit, uh, you know, God was really doing a work in Paul's life. I'm going to send to you a guy that you would have killed if you'd had a chance. He's going to lay hands on you. He's going to pray for you, and you're going to receive your sight, right? Ananias couldn't have known in the natural. Listen to this note. Ananias couldn't have known in the natural that in a certain house on a certain street, a man named Saul was praying at that minute. Ananias couldn't have known that Saul had had a vision in which he had seen a man called Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias couldn't have known this any other way than by supernatural revelation. He knew it by word of knowledge. Of course, God knew about everyone who was praying and everywhere at that time, but he didn't give Ananias knowledge of everyone who was praying. He just gave Ananias knowledge about one man who was praying Saul of Tarsus. You see how it works? It's a word of knowledge, a piece, a fragment, not all of the knowledge of God. All right? All right, uh, Acts chapter 10, uh, verses 9 through 19. Make a note of that. And the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Do you understand that Example after example after example after example. We used to put these events up on a pedestal. They're just the Holy Ghost. It's just the gifts of the Holy Ghost working. And these are examples of how they work. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to a housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending uh, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. What was God preparing Peter for? God was preparing Peter to go preach to Gentiles. That's what he was doing. It wasn't about the food. It wasn't about eating, it was about preparing Peter's heart to go and preach to Gentiles. And this happened three times and the thing was taken up once to heaven. 
uh, verse 16, then verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, what, what is he about to hear? A word of knowledge. Behold, three men seek you. Word of knowledge, right? Peter did not know that there were three men who were seeking him. He had fallen into a trance and had seen the vision of the sheet descending out of heaven. While Peter was thinking about that, about what the vision meant, the Holy Spirit told him that three men are seeking you. The men were already standing at the gate. Peter hadn't seen these men. He had no way of knowing that they were there except by the Spirit of God. All right, now I'm going to tell you two quick stories because it's hours late. These are stories that I'm aware of in my lifetime. They're old stories, but the truth of the stories still hold true. There was a Baptist man who was a spirit-filled Christian, and, and, and that there are spirit-filled Christians. Hey, Look at me. I've met spirit-filled Christians who prayed in the spirit in the Catholic Church. If you don't understand that there are Christian Catholics out there, you're missing it. You're missing something. There are Catholics out there that are trusting Jesus Christ to go to heaven. All right? There was this Catholic priest in a, in a Catholic church in his office, and, and he was praying. All right? This Baptist man, Spiritfield, was urged of the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, he was the president of the local full gospel businessmen's meeting uh, in, in that city. You ever heard of that? Full gospel businessmen. That Spiritfield Christian gathering, all right? God told him, pull into this parking lot. He said, just rose up on the instrument. Pulled in the parking lot of the Catholic Church. God said, go into this church. There is a man praying in his office who wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, he said, for just a second, I thought, it's a Catholic church. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know anybody in there. Can you imagine, you know, what with you? God told him, go, right? God told him, go. So he went. He walked through the church till he found the office, knocked on the door, and the priest answered the door. And he said, well, I, I was just driving by, and the Lord told me that there was a man in here praying. He said, oh, thank God. He said, I was just sitting at my desk saying to God, I, I, I want this. I want the Holy Spirit. But I don't know anyone here in town personally that's a spirit-filled Christian. And he said, now here you are standing at my door, right? Would you pray for me? So he laid hands on him and prayed for him. A matter of fact, the priest got on his knees. And he laid hands on his head, prayed for him, and boom, he started praying in tongues. All right, let's don't make this harder than we have to. It's not that it's not that hard. All right. Matter of fact, I told the Lord I'll preach this entire series and, and what he told me to do backwards, which I saw as backwards. He said, don't preach on the infilling or teach on the infilling until the end. He said, get the altars built. And teach on the infilling of the Holy Spirit last. Now, that was. That was what? That's the word of wisdom. Right? He told me what to do, and it's in the future, right? 
please, please, humbly, I say this to you. When I say things like that, please, you know, make a mental note, write it down, do whatever. If it comes to pass, you know it was God. Amen? And you know you can trust your pastor, right? And if I'm wrong, I missed it. All right? All right, so. So you got that Baptist spirit-filled Christian praying for a Catholic priest, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost. All right? And then there was another one. It was a women's prayer meeting. And the pastor's wife was talking to the group and said, well, we get together uh, every Friday morning, and we pray, and then we go out. And no one ever gets saved. Right? That's what she said. So she said, next Friday when we come here, we're going to stay and pray until the Holy Ghost moves us. Right? So they got together and all of them prayed. And they all prayed for about an hour. Right? When the Lord gave the pastor's wife a vision of a sick woman in a bed and asking God to send people to her to pray for her. Alright. So to make a long story short. They, they followed the vision. They went to this woman's house. Knocked on the door. They went in. There she was. In bed. Sick. Just like God had given to the pastor's wife in a vision. Right. Told me you go there and you pray for this woman. I'm going to raise her up. And they prayed for the woman. She got raised up. And, and she got saved. Do you know that I can't find anywhere in the Bible where I'm suspect that God healed someone, but they didn't get saved? Do you understand that all of these miraculous things are signs to the unbeliever? But I want to tell you, the danger you've got to look out for is, uh, after I saw a crippled woman get up out of a chair and walk. Matter of fact, she ran. <laughs> all right? Um, and, and I've seen that more than once, okay? Um, after that, lots of people flocked to the meetings because human beings love the supernatural. They love it. They're drawn to it like a moth to a flame. As a church, we have to pledge to God not to let that get out of hand. Let them come. Let them get saved, Right? You know that story in Acts where that man was following the apostles around and they ended up casting a demon out of a woman and what did he say? Uh, how, how much? How much money? And they told him, you're cursed because you, you thought you could buy. You, you thought you could buy this power. That's human nature. So we got to let God be God. Never let all that junk get out of hand. Everyone who walks to the door needs to get saved, needs to get discipled in the word, and they need to be warned. Don't play around the Holy Ghost. Don't, don't do it. The Bible is replete with things that have gone wrong because people did not take the Holy Ghost seriously enough. All right? If, if I had my way, I'd teach this to every church that would listen to me. Because there's so many things that are mislabeled that people don't really recognize the real McCoy when they see it. God help us, amen? Will you forgive me for keeping you so long? But we finally finished part one. <laughs> All right? I love you so very much. Won't you stand with me? Let me pray for you. And let me pray for me, amen? You know, I'm going to tell you, 
Um, the last couple of weeks have been difficult weeks. I'm not going to lie to you. And why do I tell you that? Am I bragging on tough weeks? No. What I'm trying to tell you is, and thank you, Sylvia. I'm going to let you time to get there, and then I'm going to pray. You, she's going to pray softly for us. Um, the devil does not want me to teach this. Do you understand me? So I'm going to tell you, he's trying to give me and Miss Ruthie a fit. All right? But once in a while, stop, you know, I'm sort of barking at each other. Well, plus, we were moving stuff. Have you ever, with your spouse, moved things in the house? And you can't agree on, you know, where it should go. And, and, you, and, and you say, oh, that won't fit there. But my wife says, well, I want to see it. You know, men aren't visual spatial all the time. We can look at it and go, oh, that ain't going to fit. She says, I want to I try it, right? <laughs> I want to see it for myself. I want to see it for myself. I, I mean, I didn't mean to catch it like that, but... Right, but, and then next thing you know, you're barking at each other, right? I told you a week ago, I had to go to my wife, take her in my arms and ask her to forgive me and pray for uh, me and pray for her, right? But you know what we're going to do? We're just going to keep on praying, amen? And we ain't going to stop. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop teaching on the Holy Ghost because it's going to change this church. It's going to change your life. It's going to change the direction of everything, all right? And if we catch fire, others will catch fire. Amen? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for all that you're doing in this church, in this uh, fellowship, in this wonderful uh, Bible church, wonderful non-denominational Bible church that believes in Pentecost. Father, we love you so very much. Thank you for all of the good and wonderful things you're doing, but we always digress back to this. You're God. You're the God of everything. There's nothing above you. The devil was crazy enough to think that he wanted to exalt his throne above yours and there was no way it was ever going to happen. I want to thank you, Father, that you didn't have to rise from that th throne. You didn't, Jesus didn't have to get up uh, from his throne next to yours to do anything with the devil. He told Mike, Michael, Gabriel, cast him out. And Michael and Gabriel went and cast him out. Lord, help us to stop giving uh, equal billing to the devil. Help us to stop thinking that the devil is your opposite because the devil's not your opposite, God. The devil might be the opposite of Michael or Gabriel, but he's not the opposite of you. Lord, Lord, it is so powerful that you created us a little lower than the angels and then you gave us the name of Jesus and with the name of Jesus, we defeat Lucifer, and he can't stand it. He can't stand it that we, he knows we were created a little lower than the angels, and he still can't take us. He can't take us. He can't stop us. As long as we're called upon the name of Jesus, as long as we're submitted to you, mm, and use the name of Jesus, if we submit ourselves to you and resist him, he has to flee he cannot stand before us in the mighty name of Jesus and it's all for your glory father you did it not us it's not our name except that you gave it to us to use the mighty name of Jesus mm, so I just feel like standing here Lord and I feel led along with the people of this church to come against the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus as we submit ourselves to you and we tell the devil you do not own this city. This is God's city because God's children are raising up. 
and we'll take this city in the name of Jesus for the glory of God because it's all about God. It's not about you, devil. You don't have the power and authority that you would like us to think you have. But now we know better. Now, Lord, I pray not only for Ruthie and me that you'd remind us every day of what a gift we are to each other to listen to you. Forgive me, Father, as a husband and head of the household for being mean sometimes. Lord, thank you for loving me enough to keep dealing with me about it and, and listening to my prayers when I come quickly to you and ask you in the name of Jesus Christ to forgive me for that. I want to thank you for the gift of Ruthie that you have placed in my life, Father, and what she means to me because really beyond everything, because of you, beyond everything else. Bless Ruthie today, I pray, as the pastor's wife in this church. Lord, let her know she's loved and she's cared for. Now, Father, I turn my prayer to everyone in this room, every home represented. Mm. Father, as we leave here today, I thank you that your Holy Ghost is going to go with us, is going with us in Jesus' name. Help us to live our lives for you. Help the words of our mouth to bring glory and honor to you, the actions and deeds of our life. Father, we don't pray enough about the unsaved in this city, the lost, the dying and the lost. Father, really, to me, that's what this is all about. It's not even about what you're going to do to us and through us, uh, except as it pertains to the lost in this city. Move through us in a way, Father, that a great and mighty harvest comes forth. Mm, be irresistible, I pray in Jesus' name, in a loving manner towards everyone in this city that needs you so desperately. Lord, we come against all the lies of this world in the name of Jesus that the world has come up with, the devil has come up with to attack you being a good God. They call you intolerant. Father, the only thing I know you to be intolerant of is sin. That's it. You're intolerant of sin. And people that want to embrace sin uh, want to hate you. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's no winning that battle. Father, I know that you see yourself as our great deliverer and savior. Move through us, we pray, by the power of your spirit to see the lost and dying saved for your glory. Lord, I thank you. I'm saying this in faith that we're not the only church in this city that's wanting to place you first and foremost in our lives. Lead us, guide us, and direct us, and manifest yourself in every church in this city that lifts up the name of Jesus. And those that don't lift up the name of Jesus, if it's because of them being uninformed, teach them, Lord. Touch them. By grace, manifest yourself in these churches, Father, so that things will change. Mm. Lord, may we be very conscious that you speak to us every day and that many times the Holy Ghost uses us and we're not even aware of it. But we need to learn more about how this is manifest and what's happening so that by own purpose and by design, Father, they can just keep happening in our lives. There's not a person in this room, Father, that doesn't want to be led by you. <clears throat> they wouldn't raise their hands and say, I want to be led by the Spirit of God. Well, we do. So make whatever changes need to be made. Touch our lives. Minister to us and through us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. <clears throat> and everybody said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Fellowship together before you leave today.